On this episode, we discuss The Fanatic. For anyone who thought Joker was too nuanced and smart. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy wow dan it's me Stuart wellington and over here in los angeles elliot kalen i'm going to apologize ahead of time i have a little bit of a cough so if you hear any coughing that is my throat uh manufacturing uh phlegm uh-huh. for me to expectorate into the open air in order to spread the contagion that's inside me because that's how it reproduces from body to body and thank you for that health warning elliot but i think we need to get right to the meat of this sandwich that's right uh we're not alone in this universe what? or this world we are not alone on this podcast either because we are joined today by a special someone a someone who is on uh the podcast's Hey, <laughs> hey there from the Magic Tavern. Hey there from the Magic Tavern. <laughs> hey there. No, that's from the Magic that's Tavern. wrong. That's uh, our casual <laughs> spinoff. <laughs> hey, hey there from the Magic. Ta- Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle. That's right. Adel Rafai has joined us. Hey there, Adel. Hey, thanks for having me. I'll be your little cinema boy. <laughs> is that is that oh, a, is okay. that a term? That, cinema boy? No, I mean I, it's a term I've never heard before, and yet the minute I heard it, I instantly understood every aspect of the relationship. So. <laughs> is that yeah. a, is that a Neil Young B side cinema boy? Uh huh. It's, well, it's certainly more, a, it's, a, it's certainly a better title for this podcast. <laughs> I cinema found it boy, but startlingly it's erotic. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the blurb that's going to be on that word. Yeah. Startlingly erotic, <laughs> says Dan McCoy of the word cinema boy, okay. boi. So thanks yeah, for course, joining us, Adel. Thanks for having me. We uh, we brought you in. You know, um, as as Elliot mentioned in the intro, this is a movie directed by Fred Durst, uh, the uh, vocalist for yeah. uh, new metal band Limp Biscuit. And you insisted that we have you on because you're a huge uh, Limp Biscuit fan, right? Hundred percent. I th- I thought it was the absolute correct move for Fred Durst to parlay his musical fame 14 years later into directing <laughs> one of the worst movies of all time. And also, you should direct if your name rhymes with dead worst. You should always direct. Always direct. <laughs> Well, the, I remember reading an interview with Fred Durst years ago, the first time he announced that he was going to direct a movie, and I think that one didn't get off the ground. And he said in the interview, the reason I made a band was so I could direct music videos, so I could start directing movies. And it was like, that's a real roundabout path to becoming a film director, Fred. Uh, it seems he made like, it happen. It's like, I, yeah, that's right. God he, bless him. He did make it happen. Good point. Yeah. It's like in, in that movie, uh, Funny People, where Adam Sandler's character becomes a super famous movie star so he can beat cancer, right? Uh, yeah, that's how that movie works. Sure. <laughs> because sure. when death shows up to take him away, he goes, wait, are you Adam Sandler? Can I get your I autograph mean, on my site? That's not his character's name in the, it's in the movie, Nicky. though, right? Yeah, yeah. His char- oh, sorry. His character's name is <laughs> Little Nicky. <laughs> um, so this is a, a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. We didn't say that up front. We didn't reset the premise. No, uh, but I'm doing it. That's now. okay, Dan. The, mo- the the podcast has only been going for a couple minutes. I don't think people are are wandering around the streets confused, not no, not sure if there's a god or oh, not. No, no, no. I, I just knew that about. within seconds you'd start berating me for not having said that. So I was mm. trying to cut that Ske- off. Sketching out all our characters now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dan, I don't want to be your therapist for a moment, uh-huh. even though I should be your therapist. I'm very good at it. But do you think 
you're projecting on me the inner Dan that would be berating you for, for listener, forgetting. For listeners, Dan is laying on a couch. <laughs> Elliot is behind him with a sketch pad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That I'm just drawing <laughs> pictures of Dan's hair. Clicking, clicking a pin. <laughs> He's drawing me like one of his French girls. Um, <laughs> no, so we watched this movie, as you said, directed by Fred Durst, starring... Mr. John Travolta, who's uh-huh. having That's a bad right. time lately. S- star of uh, star of Gotti, John Travolta. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's best known for such films as Phenomenon, Lucky Numbers, you know, those movies. Yeah. This uh, movie like had something like a $6,000 per screen average. It was a incredible flop. It was... Oh, no. I mean, I think it was like... Yeah, I think it... Well, 3000. Let's, let's take a look at. I've got it right in front of me. The the entire domestic box office in theaters was $3,153. Oh, uh, $3, yeah. I mean 6,000 per, per that would screen be good. is not that bad. That would be good yeah. actually. No, uh, from More 52 like shoe theaters. Box office. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, all we know is all we know is the, all, we, uh, all we know is the opening day and on from 52 theaters it earned 3,100 and some odd dollars. So okay, well, not yeah, I mean, great. I bought out at least one whole theater of two uh, seats for your birthday party. You're for like, my I'm birthday so party. excited to see yep. this movie. Sadly, like, I'm a fanatic, fanatic. I yeah. gotta see this. Yeah, and the sad thing was, I just went by myself. I bought the second seat to hold my popped corn. <laughs> right, guys, now, you got to get a big old bucket of popcorn. <laughs> what? I like you called it popped, popped corn. Yeah, like a 30s big old bucket. Why are you like trying to encourage us to back you up on the idea that popcorn is an appropriate movie snack? It's so salty. It's good, right? Yeah. And Stuart, you famously bought stock in concessions. Uh-huh. I bought stockings at the concession stand. <laughs> this movie theater has everything. Mm-hmm. I bought, they, well, to be fair. They have legs, so eggs. You bought those stockings because you thought it was a giant egg. You were like an ostrich egg. This is exotic. Uh-huh. And then you opened it and there were stockings inside. Uh-huh. They and they were wrapped around anymore, a duck I'm, egg. I'm kind of sad. Like, <laughs> Why are you sad, Dan? I don't know. I just, like, I mean, obviously, I don't, well, not obviously. Who knows? Maybe I need pantyhose. But For like, listeners, Dan I, is still on the couch. He's now projecting about his dad. I don't personally wear pantyhose, <laughs> but, like, my mom used to have, like, uh, those legs, eggs. And I wow, thought this really were... is a therapy session. Talking no, about his mom's legs. I just thought they were fun, you know? And her eggs. It, it is fun. plastic yeah. egg. It's, no, no, what I love it, about it is that I'm not going to say it's not they, uh, fun. they continue the confusion about eggs that culture has always had where they're like do bunnies lay eggs Uh and when you open the eggs there are pantyhose inside yeah i guess so mother nature is crazy (laughs) life finds a way um (laughs) (laughs) these pantyhose were all supposed to be women now they're reproducing speaking of life finds a way like this is we're we're are you suggesting that if maybe they extracted dna out of a mosquito they might be able to bring back the legs eggs (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's the only way we can do it Weird. so uh, i guess call up bd wong and see if he can get to work on that in the lab i apologize for further delaying the movie but i have to tell you guys i went to see the jurassic world live tour last night mm-hmm. at the barclays center so yeah, that's, that's why adults in town right you're you play I the tyrannosaur famously play jeff velociraptor <laughs> <laughs> wow the titular <laughs> velociraptor no, it's it like I mean. Well, wait a minute. The title is not Velociraptors. There is no titular Velociraptor. Well, there's parentheses. <laughs> not, unless, unless the t- the name of the stage show is Jurassic Park: The Adventures of Jeff Velociraptor, which it could be. I didn't see it. It, now, Dan, it tell was us until this my Barclay... incident. Yeah. Uh, okay. This, so this, this is Barclay Center is some sort of arena. Yeah. It's Where's a, that located? It's a it's an arena in Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting. And uh, so they put on the show. It's how's based... the how's the parking? I mean, guys. You're 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 delaying some pretty sweet stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, this is where the Nets play. 
Yes, this is where the Nets play. Now, they have, they've converted it to Isla Nublar or whatever, yep. Isla Sorna, whichever yep. one it is. Indina Menzel. Mm-hmm. Pronounced, <laughs> pronounced like, a, like a true white man. Yes, continue. So uh, it's basically a stunt show with dinosaurs, and the plot is just, you know, stringing together reasons to get from one now, dinosaur wait, thing. Now, wait, Daniel. Daniel, you have, okay, you you really opened a lot of question worms sure there. uh so it's a stunt show with dinosaurs there are real dinosaurs performing well, I, stunts i'm gonna get to that so it is a story about uh you know how they have to go back to these like these new characters have to go back to the island with their like trained dinosaur it's not a velociraptor i don't know what it is it's kind of like a velociraptor it's like got a thinner neck maybe elliot knows but um I mean, I didn't see the show. There could be any. They have to go back to rescue her eggs, but of course, engine the evil engine wants the eggs too. Doesn't really matter what's going on, except for there's a bunch of like punching and motorcycles going around, along with the dinosaurs. But uh, it's these again. These dinosaurs, Dan. How are they? I'm gonna get to the dinosaurs (laughs) before that, though. I want to say there's like two uh, adult scientists, and then there are two interns that they take along for some reason mm-hmm. on this dinosaur adventure. And one of the interns is like this kid who like keeps like dancing and dabbing all the time and wants to like live stream his thing. Like he's playing to the rafters, this kid. And uh, playing to the, to the raptors? raptors? To the raptors. Yeah. <laughs> so there are raptors in the raptors? And uh, mm-hmm. it's one of these things. Very dangerous. Yeah, the Toronto raptors are sitting in the rafters. It's one of these shows waiting where for the game. people are in raptures. <laughs> One of these shows where all the dialogue is pre-recorded, and so the actors are just miming along to That's this pre-recorded awesome. dialogue, and they have to mime as big as they can so everyone can see what their emotion is at any time. But anyway, the dinosaurs. It. Okay. Okay. The raptors are basically... Keeping in mind that this is a podcast about the movie Fanatic, yeah. and we are going to record like a mini episode of the Flophouse afterwards, which would be the perfect time to go into detail about the Jurassic Park okay. live show. No, no, no. Continue. I feel like this is this is main, main feed. The, this di- main line. the dinosaurs... <laughs> So the velociraptors look pretty good because they're like those kind of puppets that like a guy's inside and walking around, but they like make the legs look like velociraptor legs. That's great. Fine with that. But then like. So wait, wait, these legs, these are legs that came out of an egg. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) These are legs that came out of an egg because they're velociraptor legs. Uh, But then they would have like a uh, stegosaurus come out and it would be basically like barely moving its legs barely moving its arms it would just be on this like cart well, uh, it, uh, stegosaurus don't have arms continue <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry I meant to say barely moving moving its legs barely moving its head but it was on this like cart on a track that would like go around the stadium and it was at that moment that they were like the fucking majesty of this. Yeah, the big sweat it's music. Amazing. Song. <laughs> uh, you know, and then the T Rex comes out at the end, and everyone's happy. Yeah, That's and but uh, but like, but Laura Dern reprised her Laura role. Laura Dern right? was there. <laughs> Oscar winner Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah I mean, Phoenix Suns Gorilla was there. Sorry, Phoenix Suns Gorilla was there and Dunkasaurus. Yeah, yeah. They did what have a scene. They did have a scene at the end where they had blowtorch, not blowtorches, flamethrowers, trying to like. You know, scare the T Rex. So okay, uh, sounds pretty. There cool. are flamethrowers and a T Rex on stage, and I'm like, this is the best type of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I really like the idea of Laura Dern having booked that tour, not thinking she was going to win an Oscar for Marriage Story, and now she did, and she's like, oh, I wish I could take movie roles, but instead, I'm stuck on the Jurassic Park live tour. <laughs> yeah, but she's the thing is, she's inside one of the Velociraptor puppets. That's the role that she took. Yeah. All right. So nobody even knows that it's her. Sorry, the, I, I'm sorry for derailing. You just set it up so well, and I, you know, it was. Well, so- I mean, I? I think this is a movie that's about 
uh, about a, no, a, a one man's through. obsession with <laughs> with Hollywood and yeah. excitement. And I think you know we got a little bit of that from your story, Dan. Okay, well let's yeah. move into the the meat of the podcast. Wait, Dan, on a scale from zero to cats, how how excited have you been by this? Uh, viewing well, experience. I was I had a cold, so my excitement was lower than it should have been. But you know, like a seven, maybe. I don't like it's really dumb. But I was like walking out, and I was like, you know, this is for kids. Like I, oh, <laughs> that reminds me of the best. I mean, this is this is famously also the stadium where you went to see the circus by yourself. Yeah, but this is <laughs> this is the best thing I forgot at the end. Uh, like the tough guys talking to the good dinosaur, being like. You know, you finally convinced me. Not yeah. all dinosaurs are bad. And this real, like, you son of a bitch kind of, yeah. like, <laughs> voice. And then behind us, this little kid goes, aw, that is so sweet. <laughs> so the target audience loved that dinosaur show. That's nice. That's nice. Okay, so uh, that's the flop house. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us today. Uh, yeah, so we've been brought to you by, uh, I, I guess, dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, so the fanatic guys, let's get to the real, let's get to what we're actually talking about today. So, the fanatic begins, as all great movies do, with a title card quoting one of its own characters. <laughs> oh, real, real quick, Adel, uh, just interrupt Elliot as much as possible. That's kind of how we do things. Oh, great. Here. Yeah. Don't be afraid to just jump in and Let throw me just say that the fanatic there. answers the question what would happen if Rain Man was a horror film? Mm, oh, yeah, yeah kind of, oh. yeah. I mean, Rain Man is a great name for a horror film. Yeah. Because yeah, it, yeah. because it's like uh, like a serial killer who is executed out in the rain and then he turns his body into rain and he like yep he like gets people all wet and then they slip and die <laughs> or like he's they're killer raindrops and people are like have you heard the legend of the rain man ah that's just an old story I don't believe in that kid stuff is, but then the rain starts killing people isn't that basically the plot of the movie in Bowfinger Chubby Rain oh that's fair they have like well, that was aliens, aliens coming are, down in the rain. Are, Aliens are invading Earth by hiding in drops of rain, yeah. right? Okay. And it's different than the movie Heavy Rain, which is just like a, a flood and there's a bank heist, right? Yeah, and Christian Slater going around on a jet ski. And Elliot, how is yeah, that- it different from the video game Hard Rain? Mm-hmm. Uh, hard Rain, because uh, uh, I don't really remember Hard Rain that well. Okay. And how is it different from the Bob I Dylan song? I thought it was Heavy Rain. rain. Is it Heavy Rain? It's Heavy Rain. And what about <laughs> Black Rain with uh, Michael Douglas? And how is it different and from Rain Wilson? Well, that's because he's a person, and yeah. Purple Rain is also a movie, mm. but that's about a different guy. And How is it different from forget, Rain of Fire? And, and uh, well, that's spelled differently. That's not rain like rain falling in the sky. I rain, don't like think so. <laughs> I mean, the, a, it is raining course, dragons, Elliot. <laughs> it's raining dragons. Hallelujah. Okay, so the fanatic opens with a quote from Hunter Dunbar about how he's nothing without his fans. You're like, who's Hunter Dunbar? Let me do a quick Google search. Oh, that's not a real person. It's a fictional character. Let's move on with the movie. And we open with a tough, cynical VO from this lady who we'll learn later is a paparazzo named Leah, no last name given, about how Los Angeles is the city of bullshitters, and it wrecks people. And I got to say, guys, I have been living that experience. I am a shell of a man because this city of lies has chewed me up and spit me out. Want me to tell you more about it? Uh, No. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Mercy. I look look at you, and I see the sunken eyes of Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, now now that – I came out here to be a big-time TV writer, but now I find myself having the job of having to go around and kill people's pets in the middle of the night just to earn <laughs> enough money to keep my family under a bridge. That's Los Angeles for you. Fame. Ain't it a bitch? Now, anyway, Elliot, so, Elliot, on a, on a yes. scale of uh, slightly to not at all, how essential is this 
uh, narration to the movie. I would call it uh, how how non essential can it get? Yeah, uh, uh, like it, not only would you not notice if the narration was gone from the movie. At times, I forgot there was narration in the movie, and then Leah's voice would pop up again, and I'd be like, "Oh, this! Oh, right, I forgot." Now, so do you think there's going to be a cut where they just remove the narration, like a reverse Blade Runner director's cut thing, or whatever? Or was it a um, non-reverse Blade Runner's director cut thing? I can't no, remember it was a which regular one. Director's cut. It'll, it'll, just a which is the one? But which is the cut. one that where was it? This the, the original theatrical release? The they wanted it, right? Voiceover okay. to clarify. The, the studio one. They wanted a voiceover in Blade Runner merely because the movie is incomprehensible without it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a series of beautiful images not linked by a coherent story. Uh, but this is more of a double Dutch Blade Runner in that it is ugly to look at and also has a narration and also the story is kind of dumb. So anyway, the real character, the real star of the film is LA. Moose, played is Moose played by John Travolta and. Leah's like, he's unbreakable. We first meet him riding his moped, and we learn he's a big horror movie fan. And also, it's pretty clear that he has, um, you know, a different way of interacting with the world. Yeah, can, can, we, can world, we go, I think people. up front, like, we've we've dealt yeah. with movies that uh, portray uh, characters with, uh, like, emotional problems and learning disabilities, and clearly Moose has something going on. Yeah, he's got... And Some sort of developmental issue. I just want to point out that at no point are we making fun, do we want to make light of that or make fun of people that actually are struggling with anything yeah, like that. Yeah, this is an of bad acting, one. not yeah. anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes. and so, or yeah. insensitive scripting. I mean, Travolta is putting his all into this character, and I can only imagine that in his mind, he is doing Nailing something. It. Yeah, he's sensitive he, and noble. He is Sam, uh, but. <laughs> What happens in the movie is you see this sort of like terribly offensive <laughs> depiction of yeah. a a person who's struggling with some sort of uh, problem. He is he is he's I assume meant to be somewhere on the autism spectrum. Yeah. And again, we are we want to not make light of anyone with that. I don't know with that way of living. Like I know lots of people who are in different places on that spectrum, and they all live their lives, and none of them ride around on a moped pretending to be an English Bobby and demanding that movie stars sign their leather jackets. So let's. Uh, so he goes to his pal who runs a memorabilia store, and he's so excited because his best, his favorite actor, Hunter Dunbar, who, as far as we can tell from the evidence given in the movie, is a bad actor who makes crap. Uh, is going to be signing at. He's supposed to go to a party that Hunter Dunbar is at later, and he's going to be signing at the store tomorrow night. And the store guy cuts him a break and sells him the very leather best in, in, emblazoned with the name Rico in sequins on the back yep. that Hunter wore in the movie Space Vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right off the bat, this is this feels <laughs> like Elliot was, was pausing by- for laughter. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it feels like a movie made by people who haven't actually seen real movies because they're like, oh, yeah, he wore that in Space Vampires. And I'm like, so is he supposed to make garbage or yeah. is he supposed to be like famous and rich? Because he's got a big wealthy house, but all of his movies sound like direct-to-VOD movies, right? Yeah. And and doesn't this scene open with Travolta saying something like, I don't have a lot of time, I got to poop? Is that the uh, Yes, poo, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the poo. poo. Okay, I'm sorry. Sillier. Well, that's to add a ticking clock to make some suspense for the <laughs> yeah. scene. Well, well S- Stuart recognized that um, Hunter Dunbar, <laughs> Hunter Dunbar, famously won uh, for 1992 best makeup. And what was the other? <laughs> yeah, later like, on, he, he's not an actor. He's, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're looking through. He's like uh, later on when Travol- uh, when Moose invades his home and is taking pictures of his. 
let's say modest collection of trophies. One <laughs> one of them is for best makeup. The other is for like best, best stunt. stunt. Yeah. And I'm like supporting <laughs> actress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> best original song. <laughs> uh, so uh, Moose goes home and he's practicing in the mirror something that he can say to Hunter Dunbar. Again, let's can we take a moment to talk about what a fakey sounding name Hunter Dunbar is? Because uh-huh. it sounds like a combination. It sounds like a character who thinks he's really cool but really he's the heir to like a candy fortune like mm. and that's what i kept thinking was like what is a dunbar like how does it so how did what did that name make you feel like did you feel like oh this is a tough cool action star uh well he's played by devin sawa so uh, who people remember best of course from little giants <laughs> who people probably remember best from the first final destination and perhaps idle hands i don't know depending on and the stan music video yeah i you know, I just, I mean, he is kind of jacked in this, but I can't take him seriously as, like, a menacing figure because of my associations with him. I'm I'm merely asking about the name Hunter Dunbar. Okay. Were you like, you're like, oh, this guy sounds badass. Uh, I mean, Hunter immediately makes, uh, makes it seem that he's badass. Although I would think that Moose would be frightened of him because don't hunters hunt mooses? Oh, we'll see. Uh, you know what? Forget everything I was going to say. This movie's brilliant. So, it's got so, much uh, so when I previewed that joke for you earlier, at all, I uh, said I would laugh, <laughs> and I forgot. Uh, yeah, I was expecting a bigger reaction. <laughs> I mean, I think we we're all just stunned by the realization that that probably is what that's probably what they're going for. Yeah, uh, yeah. P- pupils were dilating, <laughs> and oh, and he's named Dunbar. Because when Moose goes to the party, he is done at the bar. Because in the only funny joke in the movie, he asks for a milkshake with real ice cream in it. And the bartender is like, oh, we don't have that. <laughs> oh, man, that and was great. As, as a bartender, I can't tell you the number of times I have to deal with a situation like that. And I'm just like, the whole goal, all of my training is designed around how to massage a customer from their initial desire, which is, of course a milkshake with real ice cream to something that we do carry, like a milkshake without real ice cream. So could you make a milkshake, but without, without do you have the other ingredients or do you have yes. milk? Yes, so I would, I would pour some milk into a glass and I would shake it in front of their face and be like, there you go, waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work in a Muppets-themed bar. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I forgot that you work at it. You work at Kermit's place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, like a Get cup a Fozzie, of milk? Fozzie Navel. Yep. Fozzie Navel. <laughs> Fozzie Navel. Oh, that's pretty nice. good. Yeah. Uh, Dan, yeah, you know, so Dan, I would you charge know you know, like three bucks, four drink? bucks. I don't know. It depends uh, I don't on know. how I, I feel. can't come up with other. The best I could come up with on short notice was Gonzoni, which is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> is that for macaroni? <laughs> no, no. Gonzoni is the machine they use to clean the ice after Gonzo's <laughs> yeah. blood is splattered all over. I thought <laughs> <No. the sun laughs> like Gonzoni would be like <laughs> a Negroni in, in yeah, like a, in like a Muppets head. mob movie. That would be Gonzo's like mafioso name. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Uh, they should do like a. They should do a Muppets mob movie where it's Gonzoni and. Like and they could call the dog father. Ah, there you mm. go. And it's and it's Rolf. Okay, well, it. let's keep going, shall we? All right, Dan. Okay, let's talk about the fanatic. That's way better. Even than though my someone tweeted at me saying, "Why does Dan stop Elliot and Stu from making jokes?" Which is a good point, but at the same time, these two will talk not about the movie forever if I don't keep things rolling along. So let's go through. Okay, so Moose, he's he, Leah has his friend, the paparazzi, has gotten him into a slick Hollywood party. Moose uh, and is by, not there. And by and he, get into, she just pushes him over a fence. <laughs> <laughs> in, into is, some they, very soft garbage. 
she she asks him for a bolt cutter, but all he brought was a pair of scissors. She pushes him over a fence, and then she appears in the party later. And it's like, so did she jump over the fence too, or did she just walk in? Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. Also, but. she's like paparazzi, right? That's her job. Like, it doesn't seem like she would be invited to be a guest at this Hollywood party. No, she's that's why they're jumping over a fence, Dan. Uh-huh. She was not invited to be a guest. Okay, but then she all right. And then he gets mind. he gets thrown out of that party and we find out that she's like watching from the corner cuz that's her kink, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she has this he has this awkward encounter with an actress he recognizes. He does not get thrown out for harassing her. He gets thrown out for having a backpack because no bags are allowed in the room, which was a strange reason for the security guard to throw him out of the building, but To be fair, so, his backpack said Hollywood on it, so he blended right in. Yeah. Yeah, nobody well, noticed that until he security took guard uh, has a side job at a museum, and he just forgot which job he was at at that moment. That's why he was so upset very, about the backpack. Very fair, very fair. Uh, speaking of jobs, are you not allowed to, to bring with... a backpack into a museum because you, gotta... you might put like a dino skeleton in there? <laughs> yeah, you might put one of the <laughs> dino skeletons, some amber. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's exactly why you can't bring a backpack into museums so you don't take things. Oh, okay. But... Like uh, <laughs> not, not to rain yeah, on your parade because they were watching they were watching the parade. Thomas Crown affair and there's that famous scene where Thomas Crown just puts a painting in his backpack and walks <laughs> out. <laughs> They're like, how does he do it? <laughs> He's so sticking out. He can't master thieves. Sir, did your Jansport have so many corners previously? <laughs> yeah. He can't he can't zip it up all the way, so part of the frame is sticking right out of the backpack. <laughs> Uh, oh, sir, 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 you dropped this. And he hands him uh, like a, a Giacometti sculpture. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Just walk that out. So speaking of jobs, John Travolta, Moose, then goes on to do his job, which is he's one of those costumed weirdos that hangs around in Hollywood for tips to take pictures. But he's not like a famous character from the movies. He's an English Bobby uh-huh. yeah. with a mustache and a really bad English accent. Well, he, he got hired because his, yeah, his accent's so good, right? Well, clearly this is happening because for the same reason that the only horror movie they ever show is Night of the Living Dead, uh, public domain reasons. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they can't have him be a Spider-Man because I don't think Sony would play ball with the fanatic. But but, no, it is... but at least have him dress up in, like, a fake superhero costume. It's I've never, ever seen an no, English Bobby walking around there. I mean, baffling. They, they, and there's even a scene shortly after where we see another street busker performing for a crowd, and in that crowd is another costumed... Uh, performer, Serial oh, Man. Yes, I would die for Serial oh, yeah. Man. That's the <laughs> Halloween costume of 2020. Holy shit. Amazing. He just has a cereal box on his head, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, and like a, and like a superhero suit. But and like, an attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the attitude is, <laughs> I'm so good, I don't need to perform. I can watch other performers. <laughs> yeah. He is our generation's just, uh, Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> serial yeah, Man. People are just walking up to him and ha- putting money in his hand. They're just like, you just earned this yeah. just by being here. Thank you. But I also like how Travolta is underlining the fact that he's British by who just yell things like, the Beatles are coming. Mm-hmm. You or know, or like, he'll chase somebody down the street saying Jack the Ripper over and over. Yeah, Jack yeah. the Ripper. Yeah. Jack at, the Ripper. At one point he said like he said something like, Here's the Quine and I was like, Quine? And it uh-huh. took me like thirty seconds to beautiful mind that he's saying Queen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And appa- but apparently he makes enough money at this job to have a fairly nice apartment and buy all this memorabilia. So I don't know what's going on. Oh yeah. I mean I have to assume that he's living off of like a trust fund or M- something set up for must him. Be. Yeah. But so and he also meets Todd, a street magician. Who is mm-hmm. also basically a blockhead? He just puts a nail in his nose while his partner Slim picks the crowd's pockets. Uh, and Moose is like, "Oh, you're disrespecting the fans. You're disrespecting Hollywood." Because Moose has standards, you know. Yeah. When he falls into the realm of the fanatic, 
mm-hmm. it's going to be a big fall because he's a figure of dignity. I, I, anyway, and I do like I do like these two uh, street busker thieves, uh, Slim and Todd, because they they like they ham it up so much. Yeah. Like when Slim is lifting wallets, he's like licking his lips each time he picks <laughs> one up, <laughs> and which is crazy because yeah. if if you're gonna expect people to tip you don't take their wallet first yeah no like yeah like it was right when he's asking for money the, the pickpocketing started like that is the wrong time they're gonna realize their wallet is gone and start being looking around so for the what, what they should do he he removes their wallet then he has to put a new wallet back in there <laughs> yeah. with fake money with just like one dollar in it yeah. well, also he only picks the pockets of people who have their arms crossed and are shaking their head no 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 while the tricks are going on because mm-hmm. they know there's no tips from that guy right yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, and also, but it is, he is very obvious about it. He might as well be going, yoink, <laughs> as he takes the wallet. His out first of lift is like $500 in singles, right? It was yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Lot the, of... the guy's on his way to the strip club. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. after his shift at the strip club, you don't know. <laughs> it's true, don't judge. Uh, Moose goes to the Hunter signing at the store, and uh, Moose is like fantasizing that Hunter's like, hey, sit with me, you're my best friend now. But Hunter, right before Moose's turn, gets called away because his ex-wife has driven into the alleyway behind the store to complain to him that she had a date that night and he was supposed to watch their kid. Uh-huh. They need a and shared calendar. And, hers, and, her, and his kid is allergic to comic book stores. <laughs> well, but also, uh, we were watching this and, like, Audrey pointed out, like, these, like he's a fucking movie star. Like, like, we're to believe that he watches his own child, like, when this sort of thing happens. Like, she would just get a babysitter charge him money if she was like mad about it like this is not like i mean like unless it's like one of these um you know you're not spending enough time with your kid things i would understand that but like that does uh-huh. not seem to be the thing it just seems to be like oh i had a date like you're supposed to cover for well me. i think i mean it, it's almost like she's throwing it in his face that she has a date yeah. maybe that's it yeah, I think it's more that she's trying to get at him. Also, it can be very hard to find a babysitter, especially at the last minute. Mm-hmm. You're not a parent, so you wouldn't know these things. But anyway, because I'm uh, doing my part to continue the human race on this earth, overpopulating the earth, I brag. So uh, Moose interrupts Hunter's obviously uh, stressful situation, and Hunter is incredibly overly rude to him in a way that leads me to believe that um, they realized that. Uh, Oh, too late that they had to go somewhere from that, that they had, they couldn't start with Hunter being the biggest dick in the world. They had to build up to it, which means that by the time he is being stalked, Hunter is cartoonishly uh, rough with Moose. But anyway, Moose is really hurt. Uh, Hunter, I guess, he he's like, I'm done. I'm not signing anymore. Then walks back into the store, which leads me to believe that he just wanted Moose to go. Uh-huh. And now he's going to stay all night signing people's memorabilia. Yeah, um, that's what Adel usually does after his shows, right? You you go out and you're like, no more autographs, and then you sneak back in. Well, I'll go, I'll go to a <laughs> bar next like, door, and I'm like, anybody recognize me? Please, I'm Chunt, please. <laughs> uh, so they're like, say say that again. Let me hear your voice again. And then you say it. I was, uh, uh, bing bong, I'm Chunt. Hello, it's me. And they're, and they're like, no, sorry, I thought you were somebody else. That's the worst. <laughs> um, so uh, Leah, she shows, shows Moose an app that he can use to find Hunter Dunbar's house. That's a bad idea because of what he's, what's he going to do? Write a complaining letter to Hunter. Uh, and he goes to Dunbar's house to deliver it. This is when Hunter Dunbar threatens him to leave even more and then takes uh, – he goes uh, – he takes writes his name really hard on Moose's shirt with a marker. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a moment where it looks like he stabs him with a Sharpie, and I'm like, just because it's called a Sharpie doesn't mean he can stab someone. <laughs> well, also, he like just like, – yeah, he Get just stabs dad? his like sternum 
and he doesn't like even like move the marker around at all. But yeah. he like apparently he's written his name on the thing. The motions of his hand are like he's he's uh, inflicting harikiri on him. Like yeah. it's it's a total gutting of his. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, at this, this point, this is after, of course, he had been jogging with his son, and he, when he sees the stalker at outside his home, he goes, "Hey, son, go in and fire up the Xbox." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is, I, I think, Hunter Dunbar. Of all the characters in the movie, Hunter Dunbar seems to have more trouble interacting with other people than Moose does. Like Moose is seems pretty confident when he talks to people. Everybody likes him except Hunter Dunbar. Well, I mean, and, Todd and Slim give him a little bit of trouble. Yeah, they're cartoonishly evil toward him. Uh-huh. That's true. They are cartoonishly evil. Uh, but you have to assume all those nails to the head have done some damage to Todd. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Todd, based on Todd's tan lines, it looks like he just recently picked up the trend of wearing only tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive to me that Todd takes a nail, checks to see that it's sharp, someone in the audience checks it, uh-huh. and then he covers his entire face with both hands, pulls them back, and the nails through his nose. It's very impressive. Uh-huh. How does he do oh, it? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Dan, you—I mean, you're a big fan <laughs> yeah, of nice close-up magic, right? Of hand. Uh, he probably just shoves it through his nose. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let me Google that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the movie would make more sense to me if Hunter Dunbar was like trying to be friendly with him and then got upset because he was getting too irritated with him and then Moose snapped. But instead, Hunter Dunbar is just a dick right from the beginning. Did this seem strange to you guys too? Well, I, yeah, this goes to a uh, sort of key question I have about the movie, which is who are we supposed to sympathize with? Because like, I think, I mean, like we have sympathy for Moose. Like he's obviously like doesn't necessarily understand fully like the interactions he has. And he's played by John Travolta. So of course, but he does do like, he does like do things that like overstep his bounds greatly. Like, uh, later on in the movie, you know, invading his home, accidentally killing someone. Spoiler alert. Like he's not entirely sympathetic. And Hunter Dunbar, the character that like maybe in one of these, uh, these, stalker fan movies would be the one we're supposed to sympathize with is a dick all the way through the movie so we are left without a particular rooting interest in any of the characters i think yeah and and like even even the 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 paparazzo friend uh even she i feel like is pretty guilty of some of these things like she knows who she's dealing with and she is she's encouraging him to do things or there's or there's the security guard who's like you shouldn't let those guys pick on you. You should. You should. You, you should. Yeah. You should beat them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When a security guard notices Todd and Slim teasing Moose in the bathroom, where he uh-huh. changes into and out of his Bobby costume, and he's like, "You should stand up for yourself. Probably kill those guys. Maybe torture them first. Yeah, I feel like don't really forget the nose bones connected to the brain. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I, I, feel right like the, I feel like in the original script, he handed him a handgun, and then <laughs> later on, when performing as a clown in a children's hospital, the handgun fell out, and then, oh man, he must like live in a society. That's twisted. I don't yeah. know. Oh man, and and Moose uh, later when he lashes out at Todd, the security guard is like, "I'm proud of you. That was good." It's like, what kind of security guard are you? Like, why are you encouraging violence? Uh, Moose goes back to Hunter's house and leaves off a letter, but he runs away when Moose's maid sees him and says, "Hey, hey." Uh, the maid then, whose name is Dora, tells Hunter about this, and they and then Hunter decides to take the opportunity to kiss her, and she's like, "No, we can't do that anymore." And you're like, "Ugh, Hunter, you're gross. Yeah. Don't do that. Stop." 
Um, and then Hunter calls somebody, I'm not sure who, and is like, yeah, I kissed the maid again. Oh, boy. And I was like, is that his therapist? Is he calling his ex-wife? Is yeah. that his son? Like, what? who is he talking yeah, to? Is he talking to Harvey Levin over at TMZ? <laughs> it's, it's the yeah. weather. He called the weather live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then shortly after this, doesn't he also go and, uh, like, yell at his gardener? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, he tells the gardener, he's like, hey, if you see a weirdo around here, tell me. And uh, uh, don't, and listen, don't listen to your music while you're working. I love the, yeah, the yeah. maid goes, uh, there's a strange man in the backyard. He was terrifying. And he goes, you sure it wasn't the gardener? And I was like, oh, buddy, no. Bad luck. Bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also, And then the gardener's like, hey, I'm done with my work. Can I go now? And he's like, yeah, sure. And that gardener, I have to assume, was like, I'm never coming back. This is not uh-huh. a job I want anymore. He's like, I'm only uh, coming back with cuffs. A DVD of the movie Cuffs with Christian Slater. (laughs) Because he knows that's Hunter's favorite movie, and that's how to get back on his good side. Hey, I thought you and me could watch Cuffs. He's like young Tony Goldwyn. Can I ask something? Do we ever see the gardener and Serial Man in the same place? Okay, just saying, just, just saying. I mean, to be fair, we never see Hunter and the Serial Man in the same place. We never see Dora and the Serial Man in the same place. <laughs> to be fair, we, we only see Serial Man for two seconds. Yeah. Man th- we only see him for two seconds in the background of one shot. Now, is, is uh, Serial Man the sequel to Serial Mom? <laughs> I have to assume so. And the prequel to Serial, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And also, and uh, the hit song Spoon Man was on the soundtrack because there was a bit of a miscommunication between the producers and Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Anyway, Moose sneaks back into the house, into the yard, and Dora is like, hey, get out of here, and starts hitting him with, like, a magazine or something. He uh, punches her, and she hits her head on a fountain or whatever, and she's dead. Mm-hmm. You thought uh, that was a magazine? What do you I think magazines look like, Elliot? How like out of touch duster. are you in L.A.? It was, it was it like looked, a duster. Like, yeah. do your magazines come with, like... It was like an eight-foot-long like... red duster. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'll, I'll, look, I'm going to pull back the curtain and reveal that, as usual, I was watching this movie on an iPad while I did the dishes. <laughs> so I didn't pick up every single nuance of the All film. Right. Uh, so, But she's dead now. He accidentally killed her. It's the classic of Mice and Men moment, mm-hmm. uh, or O-M-A-M-M, mm-hmm. as it's known, O-M-O-M. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanders through the house... And this is the best sequence in the movie where Moose wanders through the house. He's banging on the piano. He picks up some antlers that are just lying around and is like, there's a moose on the loose. Yeah. And he's just running around. He brushes his teeth with either Hunter's toothbrush or Hunter's son's toothbrush. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. He's watching home movies on a DV cam of happier days for Hunter mm-hmm. and his wife. It's like he is, it's a real lives of others scenario. But the things you're doing, you're so, it's so clear that John Travolta, for at least part of it, was just kind of like, what else can I use? What else can I use? Uh, and they just followed him wandering around this house, <laughs> improving with stuff. Yeah, and Kool-Aid man through through the wall. And there's yeah, yeah. He he, he bursts through a wall. He throws a big party. Uh, some apocalypse bikers show up because Lisa, the computer woman that yeah. he created, wanted to teach them a lesson. He puts on a leather jacket that says Rico and goes Sandy, rock oh, in and, and roll in. <laughs> a lot of the he slides around in his underwear mm-hmm. to uh, old time rock and roll. He uh, he also when he wears the Rico vest, he wears it backwards, mm-hmm. so it re- says Rico on his chest. <laughs> and someone's like, "You're wearing that backwards," and he's like, "I know," and it's just uh, unnecessary. So, I mean, guess what? That's the thing. Like character touches sometimes feel unnecessary, Elliot, but that's kind of why they're so important. Now, the great thing about this <laughs> is when uh, while he's watching the home videos uh, on the little camcorder, of course, he falls asleep. And I feel like a lesser director would be like. Well, the character's asleep. We can uh, we can just cut the scene, right? And they're like, no, no, no. Hold it for another couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the description of much of this movie. 
Uh, Hunter and his son come home, and they find, and Hunter puts his son to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Not just not like you put a pet to sleep. He puts his son to bed, uh-huh. but not like Jesus. he would take the maid to bed. Like anyway, okay, he's God. tucking him in. You're making it worse. But not the way you would t- not the way you would tuck into a big dinner. Okay. He's uh he's uh singing him a lullaby, but not the same way that you would like sing a lullaby to. Oh no, it is the exact same way. Okay. So, but we see that Moose is hiding under the son's bed. Uh-huh. Moose starts. Poking around, Hunter, of course, falls asleep in a chair, which is the sign of someone whose life is in trouble. And Moose walks over and starts smelling him mm-hmm. and then sits down to watch the beginning of Night of the Living Dead, which triggers a memory of him watching Night of the Living Dead as a kid while his mom made out with some, with some guy. Uh-huh. And I was not sure what that was implying. Was that implying that it was traumatic of him that his mom was dating again after what was I probably think, a, a, a divorce. You know? I think that's or maybe, it. Maybe the death of his father that he couldn't or maybe hold up. That, the, or maybe that just he found uh, he found refuge in movies. Yeah, like I that. Think it seemed like he was raised by movies. What is he finding refuge from? Well, I mean like human interaction that he has difficulty with. Oh, okay, maybe. Because I wasn't sure if it was like in Watchmen, like Rorschach's backstory is that he's the son of a prostitute. And she and her Johns don't treat him uh-huh. well. And I was like, are they hinting at that? Because well, it's not doesn't seem like that at all. And to be honest, if that was my mom, I mean, I know I'm not Moose. If that was my mom and she was getting back into the game. No offense, Elliot. Again, I, feel like, like, I feel like if your parents named you Moose, it would have been like this weird irony. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm so tiny. I'd be like a little Moose. Um, well, they... They they were gonna name me they were gonna name me Abs Jumbo but <laughs> at the last minute they decided not to. That's but that's if, all. If, is that all one word or is Jumbo a middle name? Is that a family middle name? Well, it's two words, but it's one first name. Okay. So it's, it's like a first name phrase. I was gonna be Abs Jumbo. My middle name, of course, was gonna be Pex McGee, and then my last name, Kalen. It's a family name. Uh-huh. Uh, Junior. It is a family name. Abs Jumbo Pex McGee Kalen. Uh-huh. That was my grandfather's name. So the uh, instead they named me after my other grandfather, Elliot Kalen, and they never looked back. So, but if I was him, I'd be like, hey. Good on you, Mom. Good on you for going out there and remembering that you have a life outside of being a mom. But I guess for him, it's just horror movies. Now, at this point, there were and only you're, t- you're talking about You're talking about the character Moose and not your grandfather, right? <laughs> yeah. There was a stellar and moment the- where the boyfriend of the mom is like, Ugh, what is that? Is that a kid in there? <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty obvious. I yeah, mean, most- or unless you're talking about the TV, which is a different thing entirely. <laughs> Yeah. No, he thought, he's like, is that a kid? It's got some kind of images on its screen. Kids don't have screens. What is this monstrosity? And they're like, no, no, it's it's a television. And he's like, explain. And they're like, well, we harness the electron to transmit pictures and eventually sound over airwaves. He's like, air waves? Hold on a second. And the mom and the, it really ruins the moment of romance because they have to explain to him how science works. Sad, really. Uh, now, at this point, there's only 35 minutes left in the movie. So you're like, okay, is someone going to take someone prisoner or kidnap them or threaten them or something like that because there's not a lot of movie left. Moose is woken up by Hunter's cell phone alarm and runs away. So, nope, not yet. <laughs> I guess not. But uh, I think this kind he, of uh, this kind of establishes that Hunter is a deep sleeper in part because he takes two kinds of pills. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, one for insomnia and, and <laughs> one to two, sleep. Two for sleep. <laughs> one to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Moose is looking through Hunter's pills and he goes, oh, Hunter, don't do drugs. <laughs> But uh, Hunter is driving his son while listening to Limp Biscuit on the radio and talking about how great it is in the least realistic scene in the entire movie. And then they see Moose on the road, and Hunter stops his car and gets out and tells Moose if he ever shows up again, he's going to, what, put a gun up his butt and he'll be spitting bullets and blood for a week or something yeah. like that? I it's think a, shitting it's a, it, bullets and blood. Oh, okay. It's a convoluted threat. 
And he calls him a stalker, and Moose is like, "I'm not a stalker." That's the word that really triggers. <laughs> yeah, it's Moose. a real like uh, cat, like uh, chicken in Back to the Future Part Two situation. Yeah, they they were. I think they were originally going to title this movie Stalker, but they were worried that it ha- would have too many similarities with the Tarkovsky movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they were worried too many people would would go to it thinking they were seeing Tarkovsky's Stalker and be like, "Wait a minute." Why aren't guys walking through the forest for three hours doing nothing? (laughs) I think there's a genuine, maybe the most genuine moment in the movie is where he confronts him and says, you're going to, you're going to be shitting blood and bullets. And then he yells, say it. And Travolta goes, I'm going to be shitting blood and bullets. He goes, no, 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 you'll never come back here. And it's like, you never said that. So it's like, it was like a real human moment where for once the audience is like, we're with Travolta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so rare that I haven't been with Travolta god in years but when we were together we had such a good time <laughs> just the laughs and like the the affectionate moments but i haven't Fa- been with him famously under years. a dock right what you made out under a dock yeah yeah we made out under dock hollywood yeah, that's right. uh, the Val movie Kilmer? was screening at a drive-in <laughs> okay. and, we, nice, nice. and we were just under the screen okay uh, that's he john travolta has this weird thing where if he can't see either an image of Michael J. Fox or the actual Michael J. Fox, then he just can't get turned on. And so sometimes we oh. just invite Michael J. Oh. Fox over and Let's, you have to sit okay. there. This is a this weird feels area. like libel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like libel uh, because it is. So anyway, um, it's not really. No one believes that, right? There's a little... Now, every now and then there's been these little like animated illustrations of Moose. Oh, right. Uh, to really get across the whimsy, are I they, guess, of the movie. Like, are they like meant to be like... Like street chalk drawings or something? I don't something? know, but I, I liked them. They're cool looking, but it, like the first one I feel like comes up halfway through the movie. And I'm like, this is too late to introduce a new element, element movie. Like, you can't just. No, I agree. Yeah, you, there's like, only this is gonna five be part... elements. I think yeah. we've addressed yeah. that. The fifth one is love. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this is going to be part of your style, you got to bring it in earlier than almost when the movie's over. Yeah. But it was the, it was the best thing about the movie was those illustrations. Uh, it's okay, like the little so... claymation bits in uh, Life Less Ordinary, right? Mm-hmm. Or like the anime sure, in uh, Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Or like that uh, claymation hamburger in, uh, what was that? <laughs> uh, is that Better Off Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or like in The Golden Child when that Pepsi can starts dancing. Also the best part of the movie. Yeah. Besides I Want the Knife wrapped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or that, that part in uh, Captain Phillips when the hot dog starts dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there's that there, there was that part in Richard Jewell where there was like a there was like a dancing like a dancing mouse and he's like, Cheer up, Richard, let me show you. And they like did a dance together. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> or in the pianist where um the can of peaches starts talking, right? Yeah, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's like he's I like, could hey. suck my own dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that was in the pianist, right? That was in the pianist, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, they wanted to do the play on words on the title. Yes, yes, yes. Uh or uh, they, I haven't seen uh, Queen and Slim yet, but I assume there's a part where clouds are just talking about them, and they're going like, "Yeah, go Queen and Slim, you're doing great." This is Stuart just agreeing with what you guys more. are saying. <laughs> there's yeah, like, there's like that. Let's... There's that part in uh, Little Women where, uh-huh. uh, and this was not in the book, where the uh, where uh, that alien Gleepglorp comes down uh-huh. and is like, "I've got an idea for a book for you, uh-huh. Little Alien Women." Yeah, and uh, and uh, Joe is like. Yeah, that is a good idea. But what if they weren't aliens? And Gleepglorp is like, uh, that's not my idea. And he flew away. Because that's the thing, because Gleepglorp is very small, like that uh, Hanna-Barbera alien that floats around and talks to Fred Flintstone. And uh, and so when when Joe suggested that it be called Little Non-Alien Women, 
he was like, that's insane because you are much larger than me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, you're the size of mountains and skyscrapers. And she's like, what's a skyscraper? And he's like, just wait a few decades. <laughs> Wink! Because uh-huh. he can see the future. Oh. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> okay. And then the rest of the just movie is him. Just a few decades? <laughs> yeah. I think your timeline's off, but. Well, the first skyscraper, you know, they weren't as tall as they are now, but the first, what they would call skyscrapers were like the 18 Yeah, like a three-story mm-hmm. building guess, would be a I mean, skyscraper. she would also have to like travel to see this skyscraper, like, I, I don't know. You're right, and that's impossible. People were glued <laughs> to the ground back then. Okay, well, let's move on with How, the well, movie. That's your issue? It's literally, literally about I mean, there's a not family gonna be skys- where the dad is away from home. There's not going like, to be skyscrapers out on, like, the prairie, wherever they are. Like, I don't... You're right, Dan. You're right. And I and if someone had said to me three years ago, or five years ago, <laughs> Donald Trump's going to be president, I would, I would have said, but not right here. He's going to be in another city. I don't have to worry about that. All right. Let's, we don't have presidents in California. Let's move anyway, along. Uh, Moose, as it to add insult to injury or injury to insult, Moose's Vespa breaks and he takes a little bit of a tumble. Goes home and cries, and he has a monologue. He burns all of his Hunter Dunbar memorabilia, uh-huh. and we finally get to see a scene from Space Vampires, which is basically Dunbar and a woman standing in an alley, and she's like, "They want revenge," and he goes, "Revenge is my middle name," and then they kiss, and I was like, "Oh, so he makes bad movies." I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um. Leah is like, hey, did you post a picture on social media of you smelling Hunter Dunbar in his sleep in his house? Ah. Don't do that. And he blocks her from his social media and throws her out of his house. Yeah, she was worried because he's probably got a pretty big following, right? Oh, also, let's address a a little bit of a moment, which is uh, I mentioned Back to the Future earlier. And Uh uh, not since, you know, this high school kid is friends with a mad scientist has a friendship been so uh, unlikely and not explained as Leah and Moose? Because it's like, like she is a young uh-huh. paparazzi, and mm-hmm. he is a uh, middle-aged, you know, uh, proto stalker. Uh, like I, I guess he's. I guess he's middle-aged, I, uh, older than that. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, he's he's in his sixties, yeah, think, right. Yeah, I would say that probably. I think that I think both... this super hip haircut is throwing you off, Dan. Mm-hmm. His yeah, his yeah. Uh, his audition for Dion Fort uh, haircut. It's yeah, the, it's the exact haircut that Charlie Sheen has in Major League, mm-hmm. the wild thing haircut. La La doesn't like sports. Oh no, no no, I don't like sports uh, except for. Would you call dogfighting a sport? Oh God, <laughs> oh, don't joke about that, Elliot. <laughs> I think probably them both being kind of night crawlers in their own way. They're part of it's. This is a real day of the locust, like underbelly of Hollywood yeah. type of community. And so I think that's where it's supposed to be. That like these are the weirdos and the eccentrics and the forgotten people of Hollywood. But they're not that weird. I, they're not that forgotten. They're not out at night very much. I guess like, so, Elliot. But like I, I would have appreciated like maybe I don't again don't like a lot of backstory. Maybe a line or two. I don't know. I mean, saying, I feel like, like why the hell you, they're hanging out. Not to provide backstory for the podcast, but this seems to be something you bring up kind of often, oh, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I just, just uh, uh, Dan, we haven't released yet the uh, Alita Battle Angel episode yet, right? No, we haven't. Because there, I, I remember your cry was, more backstory, explain the world more, Again, <laughs> then I said one or two lines. Don't like a lot of backstory, but if something is weird in the movie, I appreciate uh, some sort of explanation. It would be great if so, at some point Moose just turned to her and he goes, 
Hey, don't forget, you owe me like fifty grand, right? Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> just a quick you know, table, table setting, just to, for us to be like, yes, 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 yes. When Moose is like, when I found you in a basket on my doorstep as a baby and raised you to be a fan, yeah. we formed a for, sort of father-daughter relationship. Yeah, of course, yep. Moose. Isn't that right, Leah? I'm just saying, Moses? I don't buy this friendship. That's yeah. all. Mm-hmm. When she's like, "You're my roller derby coach. I need to, <laughs> I need to make sure that you stay out of trouble." Dan, I, I've got a lot of videos to show you then of some unlikely friendships. A pig and a duck? <laughs> I mean, I would, love to see a I would love to see those. You know that there's something I would love more. Yeah. A turner and a hooch? <laughs> okay. Charles Manson and Fred Rogers? It happened, Dan. <laughs> unlikely friendships. That's Elliot Kalin's continuing slander corner. Anyway, uh, so they, they get into a big fight. This is finally, finally, I think there's like 15 minutes left in the movie, mm-hmm. when the, fana- the fan becomes, I would say the fanat. The fan becomes the fanatic because Hunter wakes up tied to his bed. Mm -hmm. Moose is lying on the floor in a pool of blood. Oh, no. Kidding. It's just a joke. He's just fooling. Mm -hmm. So he stabs Hunter. Kidding. It was a fake knife. Then he leaves the room, and then he comes back in a Jason mask with another knife. Kidding. And I was like, Moose, can you cut it with the pranks? Mm-hmm. Come on. And it's he, just like this, Moose suddenly, this nonstop, it, it's like this nonstop parade of pranks. Yeah, and it's a cavalcade of like actual movie references. Like the first half of the movie is all, it's like moon vampires and ghost ship. And all of a sudden he does like an aliens reference, Friday the 13th reference, Halloween he pours reference. Gasoline, he pours uh, gasoline Reservoir on him while singing stuck in the middle yeah. of you with you. Yeah, and it's like. The, it's like, make up your mind. Does yeah. this take place in our world or in a crazy fake movie world? Well, Come on. It, and also, it's too bad that this guy who claims to be raised by horror movies, but he makes a clear Friday the 13th reference, but then conflates Devin Sawa's character's performance with Jamie Lee Curtis? Come on. <laughs> I love uh, when he makes, yeah. him, he makes him repeat the... That was a big gaffe. That line that we see at the top of the movie, the you're a fan... Without you, this isn't possible. Whatever that is, what was yeah. the one? Without yeah. you, I'm nothing. He right. he's uh, Sawa finally says it, and Travolta goes, "Say it again." Mm-hmm. Which to me is like if somebody said, "Like forget about it, Jake. It's Chinatown." He goes, "One more time." And then yeah, <laughs> I said, he, "Forget about it, Jake. It's Chinatown." He turns to the camera and yeah. winks. <laughs> I want to say I still don't. I don't get what we're supposed to think of what's going on here, or what Travolta, like Moose, is thinking. Because like mm-hmm. we're supposed to think, boy, Fred Durst, you're a double threat. Filmmaker and amazing musician. Well, but we're like supposed to think that like Moose is finally taking his revenge, I guess. Like he's tied Devin Sow up and just like doing all these things that but like Moose is also treating it like, oh, we're just having fun reenacting like movie shit together. Like this is fun. Well, it's, it's a prank. It's kind of a horror movie too. Like there is an idea of society has clearly failed this guy and uh his you know, his friends have failed him and he's just trying to find some moment of human connection, Dan. Uh, that's that's all. I mean, I don't know. I don't like, know I don't. What you're I don't know here. what I'm trying to say. Is, is. I'm not doing a bit. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know if necessarily you are supposed to sympathize with him at this point because he's. I mean, you sympathize with him because he's a human, but I feel like there's also an element where he's like, he is like he's clearly doing villainous stuff. No, like, but I'm just saying I don't know what. Not even like how we're supposed to like take. Like whether we're supposed to sympathize with him, but like what he's doing, like what well, is I think, he Dan, doing? There's, I think the confusion here is that Moose is a character who will not have a clearly thought out, brilliant plan. Yeah. But the movie should have a plan for what's yeah. going to happen, and it feels like the movie doesn't know it's. It's okay if Moose is like, like I could see this scene done well, where 
someone is being threatening, they think, in a playful way. Right. But because the other person does not know how far this character will go, they're scared the whole time. Like, they don't know what's a joke and what's not a joke. And that could be, like, really scary. But because the movie is not clear, it's like, wait, what? I think that's the confusion Where are we going with this? Yeah. Like, you're blaming the movie, not not Moose. Yeah. Yeah. Because how could you blame a Moose? You can't blame a Moose. Mm -mm. Majestic. No. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Incredibly majestic, yeah. Yeah. And if you give a Moose a muffin... Is that what the book I is? Show you know. <laughs> give a moose a muffin, he'll walk a thousand miles. Um, Who moved my cheese? If you give a moose a muffin, he'll ask for a milkshake. <laughs> Strawberry, real oh, ice cream, please. Real ice cream. Real ice cream, please. And then when you give him the milkshake, he'll take your favorite actor hostage. Yeah. So, and then he'll he'll but he'll be so hungry from taking him hostage, he's gonna want a muffin. So uh, now we finally get a taste of why Hunter is Moose's favorite actor. Because he turns on that Hunter Dunbar charm. And starts giving Moose a little bit of an acting lesson. Oh yeah, he starts. Uh, t- he starts sweet talking him. He starts telling him how uh, yeah they're gonna have so much fun and how they're gonna visualize it. You know, actors they need to visualize things sometimes. Let's visualize all the fun we're gonna have. And he leads him through a fantasy of like getting ice cream together and what going to a movie set together or something. Yeah. And then I think getting married and like raising children together. Yep. And yep with finally, uh, with and, plastic on the furniture. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and one of them, of course, dying before the other, and the other one being like, "Oh, he was my one true love," and just living in his memories. And you know what? At least he has his memories. As I assume, Moose is going to outlive Hunter, and Moose is just kind of like put into a home by Hunter's son, who has really come to see Moose as like a surrogate father in the end. Uh, and it's very and in the the son marries Leah, even though there's an age difference between the two of them, because he's just a teen and she's kind of like a young woman. But it's a real uh, Jake Lloyd, Natalie Portman type attraction where they're, he's going to grow up and they're going to get married secretly on another planet. But mm-hmm. Hunter Dunbar's son, the thing is he doesn't like sand because it gets everywhere. Yep. It's itchy and scratchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he eventually, uh, itchy and scratchy go on to be Bart yep. Simpson's favorite cartoon <laughs> characters. Uh, so uh, Hunter can, convinces Moose to untie him, and then he's like, hey, hey tricked you, and he shoots Moose. With, and then stabs him in the eye, and, he's like, and he shoots his hand off. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. He shoots off uh, his smell sticks. Is what I think. I assume Moose calls his fingers because he keeps doing that. <laughs> he keeps do, doing that little ear rub and then sniffing his fingers. You know how people do. So you, you know he calls his fingers his smell sticks. You just know he just it. Got a little peek into Adel's mind. <laughs> Cinema no, boy, I mean, back at it again with the smell yeah. sticks. That's, that's not canon, but in the Tales from the Fanatic yeah. uh, book that you write, it's good. He's going to refer to them as smell sticks. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, and Hunter goes way overboard in destroying moose and that but then he kind of feels bad about it and so he just lets moose go yeah, yeah well he has and, a moment of like what am i doing hold on i shouldn't kill this guy at the point I've at be- the point where he, i've become the space vampire yeah at the point where he takes out the knife and starts to cut moose i did burst into the song singing everybody cut moose cut moose <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> very nice had to, had very to. nice it's a, that's a, that's a, there's a movie about a town where stabbing is illegal, and Kevin Bacon's got to change that. And everyone in town is like, "Wait, this is a good law. Why, why are you trying to change this?" Yeah, yeah I mean, that's most towns. <laughs> I would go not, as far as to say every town. It's not unusual for someone to move to a town where stabbing is illegal. And it's not unusual to to, to fall in love with anyone. No. So you know? once again, I, I do like any time a character sleeps in a bed with a like a lever action rifle above it, and <laughs> like a giant Bowie knife in, in his like uh, in the little drawer next to his bed. Well, was the got... was the knife loose or did it have a sheath? I think it, it was loose. Oh, it had a sheath. Oh, it it out, had a yeah. sheath. Okay, he yeah. took it out of a sheath. Yeah, because he he was he's not was he's he not played... a maniac. 
He was in the direct-to-video sequel to Crocodile Dundee, Crocodile Dundee the Next Generation. And that's where he got that knife from. That's not a knife. This is a Sharpie. <laughs> well, earlier he said to he says to Nerville, he's like, I've got the real knife from Blood Sacrifice or something. I could go get it and sign it for you. And I wondered if they were like, good, now we can have him stab mm-hmm. him because we had a line of dialogue saying he has a knife in the house. Chekhov's knife. Good filmmaking. Uh, Moose somehow wanders back to Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, the tourists there think that his horrific wounds are a costume, and these two kind of Euro-trash tourists want to take a picture with him. And he's just like, boo, 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 boo. But in a way, he's achieved his dream. He's finally a character people want to be around. Not an English Bobby that no one wants to be near, but a horrifically wounded man crying while wandering down the street. And uh, Leah finds him, double parks her car to go get him, and then just wanders off with him. And he sees the uh, the star for uh, I forget which which actor or actress act, which actor on the ground and starts talking about how great they are. And then, uh oh, Hunter movie's not over. At Hunter Dunbar's house, the police arrest him because Dora's body has still been lying there for like three th- days. Days, yes, for days. And that Hunter, like, or his son, or anybody, never went out and noticed that one. Never noticed that Dora was missing, but also never noticed that Dora's body was just lying on the ground outside right. his house. Well, the gardener and, uh, we, is the one who brings the police, Elliot. So maybe the gardener finds the body. Well, in the, the, back. the gardener has been working undercover, right? I what? thought that was pretty clear. The gardener's serial man <laughs> who works with the cops, <laughs> yeah. not against them. He's not a vigilante. Yeah, He's yeah. When informant. they well, when they when they need help, they put the cereal signal up in the sky, which is uh, <laughs> it's of course a light that's just shaped like a bowl of cereal with a spoon sticking out of it. But yeah, like Hunter Dunbar gets taken away in handcuffs for the murder of this woman, and we're supposed to think like, oh, how dark and like twisted, I guess this is. But I'm, I was sitting there being like, this case is gonna fall apart immediately, like. Like, Dr. Travolta's blood is all over the place. He, like, on, <laughs> on on social media, he posted a video of him kissing yeah. his head in his house. And yeah. his yeah. like, 40,000 followers saw it. And if he <laughs> murdered this woman, like, he would not just let her, like, stay in his backyard. He would do something about, like, like this is all, none of it hangs together to hey, frame man, this guy. Hun- Hunter Dunbar, he's a star. He thinks he can get away with yeah. anything, man. Yeah. So think- it's time for him to be... I think the mo- the audience is supposed to be like, good, Hunter's going to get taken yeah, yeah. down a peg. But you're right. Almost instantly they're going to be like, oh, you have an alibi for when yeah, this yeah, happened? You're, you're, I'm yeah. also, I you're think- imagining his lawyer being like, people of the jury, <laughs> why would Hunter Dunbar murder his housekeeper and then just leave the body in the backyard? He would clearly chop it up and eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we dis- not, just because, not just to get rid of the evidence, but because my client is a cannibal. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. The liquefied eye does not indicate anything. And I think the maid was still holding the letter he wrote, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, clearly the so, maid was like- holding evidence. That's why I had to eat the body to gain her <laughs> memories. <laughs> I point you to the nest cameras that clearly recorded a maniac coming in and killing the maid and then attacking my client. And they're like, hmm. The, the, the prosecutors are like, we want to issue a writ of Hunter Dunbar is a jerk. And the judge is like, I'll allow it. And that's why he goes to jail. You're on to a, the worst jail. There are jail. moose tracks all over the place. <laughs> there was a moose on the loose, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. This unidentified, and my client Hunter has dedicated himself to finding the real moose who go, who committed these ghastly crimes. Meanwhile, his son is still sleeping. So, are you saying you'd like at the very end for there to be some kind of an update as to how the uh, how the 
criminal proceedings went or the no i'm not oh, saying that well, at all yeah, Dan, i kind of feel that way about most like, uh, like detective you... shows like i would like like every episode of elementary i'm like i want to know if sherlock yeah. actually caught this guy no yeah you're right <laughs> sir i want an unbreakable style like paragraph to come up with this paragraph of text to explain what happened to everyone afterwards. i mean there, there, they there do call him unbreakable at the beginning of the movie yeah. Uh, there's a little uh, voiceover from Leah where she says that Moose lost his hand and his eye, but he never lost his love of Hollywood or something like that. And we do get a little the drawing, the, one of those famous drawings, uh-huh. with him with a pirate eye patch, a hook, and then he sprouts angel wings, and then mm. Leah jumps on his back, and they uh, probably fly into eternity. Guess he's dead. Yeah, I don't know what that's <laughs> yeah. supposed to signify. That's all, that's all that's about. I mean, they should have shown him in costume as a pirate talking to tourists, because yeah. now yes. you can really do that, oh, and that's a real thing. Yeah. That people might want to take a picture. Like, now he's Jack Sparrow. And just show him being like, hello, it's me, Jack Sparrow. Here come the like, Beatles. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Jack Sparrow didn't have, like, a hook for a hand or an eye patch. And he's like, mm, I'm um, Jack Sparrow having seen hard times. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he, he, wouldn't have a hook. Okay. he wouldn't have a hook for a hand. He would have five little hooks as fingers. That's yeah. true. Why don't people ever do that? Anyway, moving on to Final Judgments. Uh, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? I'm going to say, look, this movie is hateful. This is a hateful movie. Yeah. Like, uh, Fred Durst clearly, like, hates his fans, hates the people that made him famous. Uh, this is his idea of what fans are like. and But oddly enough, he, like, makes the star also hateful, and I think... I think it might be just because he doesn't want to be accused of hating his fans. He's like, well, if everyone's horrible, then no one's horrible. No, and there's See, also I, I, probably I a certain that. amount of like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's it's when you work in that field, there's a chance that you could see like other people as being worse. Yeah, no, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, I see. I'm going to take issue, Dan. I think that, and this, and I can't get inside the mind of Fred Durst. I can't get through that red Yankees cap he's wearing backwards. But I would say that. I think you're misreading it, and that Moose is supposed to be a figure of sympathy, that this is like Joker. He's a figure of sympathy who's pushed too far by this terrible system that destroys people, a system known as Hollywood. Mm. Dream Factory? More like Nightmare Factory. I mean, Scream Factory's <laughs> right there on the table, <laughs> Oh, you're right. But they did make Scream, the, both the movies and the TV shows, so people might be like, yeah, it's a factory that makes Scream. And I mean, it's an actual company that really uh, distributes horror movies, but... Yeah, that's true. Okay, Dream Factory, more like Ice Cream Factory. There we go. Okay, Dan fits the you. character but of the movie. I so think, did I Elliot think answer is... your question, Dan? No, I don't. I've lost the thread of what's going on. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think Dan sees this as, a, as an attack on Moose, and I see it as Moose being the misguided hero and the star, the star is the bad guy. But they're both treated terribly by the movie, well, and they're the both thing, unlikable. I don't understand where my sympathy is supposed to lie, and I'm, I'm not one of the people who, like— thinks that there has to necessarily be a sympathetic character in a story. But at the same time, I think the movie thinks there is one, and I disagree with the movie on that point. Uh, okay, that's fair. So you would call it a good movie? Uh, I'm going to go bad, bad. Uh, it's it's really hard to get past uh, the performance John Travolta is giving and the performance the movie has given John Travolta. Like, I think he's doing it as best he can with like a completely misguided thing like i don't know it just it's upsetting to have this person who obviously is supposed to have developmental problems like go through all of these 
things. And like, this is the story that Fred Durst wanted to tell. If you can turn off the caring part of your brain, it's kind of interesting to watch the movie just to see how misguided everything in it is. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to anyone. So I guess I'll go bad, bad. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it's a bad, bad movie. Uh, I don't think there's much re- uh, redeeming about it. Uh, I mean, like, Travolta throws himself into this role like he's thrown himself into a couple other bad movie roles, which I guess I appreciate that. Like, he, he's not he's not phoning it in, although maybe there's times when you kind of wish he was. So, bad, bad. <laughs> um, I would say if the roles were reversed, if John Travolta played himself and Devin Sawa just played a stalker, mm-hmm. this movie would be amazing. Yeah, so I think I think they <laughs> that's mis- actually miscast, pretty good. Insight. Yeah, miscast. I think they tried to have Travolta play himself. He wanted to go for the Oscar, took a huge swing, swung for the fences, threw his back out. Bad movie, but I do think it is Durst's fault. I, it felt like every scene they had one take. Yeah, and do you think do you think they didn't cast it the other way around because they were worried that uh, Devin Sow would be too typecast having played? Yeah, Stan he's like, I don't want to play the Stan again, and Travolta's like, I don't want to play me again. <laughs> 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 if if there's a serial man spinoff, I will any, anything that's needed. Here I will fund yeah. that. I will watch that. Whatever's possible. Guys, I understand all your objections to the movie, it being a bad, bad movie, and it is a not pleasant movie, but. Uh, to see John Travolta dressed as an English Bobby doing a terrible English accent for no reason, and to have the characters in the movie talking about how great the band of the director is, I'm going to have to call this a problematic good-bad movie, I think. <laughs> okay. There's also a point where John Travolta literally says into the mirror, this is a bad script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. If you're looking for a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network? It won Best Comedy at the British Podcast Awards in 2017 and 2018. Also, I There were no horses in this country until the, the mid to late 60s. Specialist bovine arsevet. Both of his eyes are squid's eyes. Yogurt buffet. She was married to a bacon farmer who saved her life. Farm-raised snow leopard. True. Download it today. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast from MaximumFun.org. Also, maybe start at episode one, or weirdly, episode 36, which for some reason requires no knowledge of the rest of the show. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Uh, let's do our sponsors. Oh. Hey. Let's do them. Yeah, let's just do them. Oh, they, uh, the Flophouse is in large part funded by listeners like you, and the Max Fund Drive is just around the corner. But uh-huh. also, uh, our show is sponsored in part by Raycon. Our, wi- our wireless world calls for wireless earbuds. Check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon stylish and discreet earbuds started about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, 
and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands. And their latest model, E25, is their best one yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. The company was co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Cardi B are obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what all the hype is about. Guys, yep. I was dubious about wireless headphones for reasons I probably shouldn't get into because uh, they wouldn't want me to uh, provide possible negatives. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm saying that the possible negatives haven't had any of them with these earbuds. I've had a great time with them. Uh, they come with a little charging case you can oh, carry around. Okay, yeah. With yeah. uh, you tap on your uh, your old ear uh-huh. and it stops the podcast you're listening to without okay. you having to get your phone out. Uh-huh. You what can, if you uh, rub on your ear and then smell it? You can do that if you like. It's yeah. I mean you can do that without Raycons. You can do it with Raycons. But the Raycons don't negatively affect no, your use negative. of smelling sticks. The ear smelling is still <laughs> thank you a thing you can do. I don't know. I just uh, I've appreciated being able to walk around and not get my wire caught on say mm-hmm. a cabinet drawer. As has happened yeah, several times. Cons- considering wires in my life, my headphone wires are constantly getting caught on everything. Mm-hmm. On the dishwasher, cabinets, mm-hmm. doors, children, small animals, mm-hmm. car doors, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Uh, to live spikes. in a wireless world. It's, what? You get it caught on spikes, <laughs> hooks. Angels, buffies. Hellraiser uh, heads. <laughs> Willows. Yeah. It's, it's, Giles's. Uh, <laughs> Anya's. I think it's. I think it's easy Drizilla's. to underestimate. It's easy to underestimate how much nicer things are when you don't have to worry about wires until you get to that point. It's like, eh, this wire is fine, and then you live without a wire, and you're like, oh, this is much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get fifteen percent off your order at buyraycon.com/flop. That's buyraycon.com/flop for fifteen percent off Raycon wireless earbuds. Earbuds. Uh, I'm going to say... Bi- or earbuds. earbuds. The whole body is an ear. Yeah. I'm going to say the uh, Raycon the for the easiest... Best John Mayer song. The Raycon for the ease of getting to buyraycon.com is spelled R-A-Y-C-O-N. Mm-hmm. That's Ray like a, the rays of the sun and con as in con artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were just... All right. Okay. Uh, again, Dan, maybe you want to pick a different... Okay. Uh, con as con. in uh, against... Uh, wait, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, con is a negative prefix. There's no good way of saying con that. Con Air is a good movie. Con, con Air is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Con- Contract. Confidant. Contract. Contact with Jodie Foster. Yeah. Confidential. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. LA Confidential. Uh, yeah. uh, we have a Jumbotron. I believe I get, gave that to Elliot. So, Elliot, take you it away. Did, Sorry, did, you gave that to yeah. Abs Jumbo? Mm-hmm. Gave it to Abs Jumbo. Jumbotron. Abs Jumbo. Uh, Pex McGillicott. Jumbotron. Thank you. As if the only thing more jumbo than this is me. So, who is this message for? It's for Tam Tran, and the message is from Chris Morgan. And it says, To my friend Tam Tran, may you find mortgage payments just as enriching as the freedom to travel and eat out under rent control. Don't forget to register to vote at the new address and let me know if you ever need to borrow my ladder. Chris Morgan, Oakland, California. Well, that's a nice, that's message. A nice message. And there's yeah, a couple a nice of like, like uh, things to remember in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like an offer for a ladder, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of reminders about things. Hey, Dan, you know what else we got coming up? What? A live show. Oh! Okay. See, so. Adel, sometimes we don't just record a podcast in Dan's mm-hmm. living room and in okay. Elliot's uh, closet. We sometimes record them yeah. in front of a live audience. Huh. 
How yeah. does that go? So, uh, well, well, not well, but... <laughs> and can people scream at you, or... Oh, ex- almost exclusively. <laughs> I mean, they, they can, and they do. So on Saturday, April 18th, 2020, only three days after tax day in America, but hey, that doesn't matter, because we're not going to be in the United States. We're going to be in Toronto, Canada. That's right, we're returning to Toronto in the Royal Cinema as part of the What the Film Festival. As has been told to me recently, we will be steps away from the setting of Little Italy, the movie we watched and did a podcast of recently. So see if the Flophouse boys are going to get the shit kicked out of them. (laughs) Saturday, April 18th, 2020 in Toronto as part of the What the Film Festival. Now, we're not fully sure what movie we're going to watch, but it's going to be a smaller, weirder movie because it's part of the What the Film Festival. And Dan, you were saying you uh, have been practicing some kind of special dance for the thing that people can only see to believe. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of like if you you combine combine, uh, sort of a floss and a Charleston at the same time. Uh, I'm picturing it, and up. nope, I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) See? So some sort of Floralston. Okay, interesting. Well, you'll see that. Saturday, April 18th. We will be doing more live shows in the year, but we don't have any scheduled yet. So if you're in the Toronto general area or even, you know, in upstate New York, come on and see this show because I don't know for sure when we're going to be back around there. Yeah, if, you're, if thing- your family is maybe visiting uh, Niagara Falls, why don't, you, uh, why don't you extend that little vacay and come see us? Yeah, slowly turn step by step and come see us at the Royal Cinema in Toronto. <laughs> now, another thing I'd like to uh, promote is... A exciting Max Fun product, or should I say Maximus Fun product, because <laughs> iPodius is finally here. That's right, iPodius, my podcast with John Hodgman, where we are recapping and discussing the British miniseries I Claudius from 1976, I think it was. 1970, yes, yeah, it was in the 70s. Anyway, uh, I Claudius, we are talking about it, recapping it. By the end of the series, I found myself really moved by the conversations I was having with Hodgman about it, but we're also funny. Uh, you'll hear from our producer, Jordan Cowling, also who works with us on the Flophouse, uh, and a number of guest stars. Uh, John Hodgman talked to Sir Patrick Stewart during it. Uh, I talked to uh, Patricia Quinn, who's one of the stars of the series, and we got a lot of other uh, celebrity cameos. And so, I Podius, it's on all your podcast places right now. The first episode's out. By the time this episode is released, the second episode will be out. And who knows how many more. So I Podius from Maximus Fun. I want to tell everyone, you know, uh, Audrey and I watched the first two episodes of I, I Claudius, which were released as one episode in the U.S. Uh, watch those. And then we uh, put the I Podius on the big uh, speaker. We Bluetoothed it over to the speaker Listened while we were doing chores around the house. A delightful Saturday. So much fun. Just uh, Thank you very much. Just a so are you recommending uh, his podcast or Saturdays? Or Bluetooth. <laughs> I'm rec- all of it. All of it's great. Um, so we should move on, though, to uh, letters from listeners. Uh-huh. Listeners now, guys, like before, you. Sorry? before we start the letters, I, normally I have a song uh, during this section where I sing about letters. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, I have a cough. My throat is not feeling so great, so I feel like I shouldn't do a song for the letters section today. Uh, I, oh, okay. boo. Can you do a limerick I, or luck, something? Luckily, oh. luckily, luckily, my old friend Randy Newman okay. happens to be here, and he said he'd sing one, so take it away, Randy. You know, sometimes letters sing out. Something to say. So they said the letters sing out the flop house, and you got a friend in me. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Randy, while we have you here, how much of Three Amigos did you write? Well, I'll tell you, a fair amount. 
Three amigos worked on it hard because you got a friend in Randy Newman. Okay, well. And uh, Randy, what about that collaboration you're doing with Gary Newman? He's going to sing about cars. I'll sing about L.A. We're guys whose names are Newman in a major way because you got a friend in me. And I'm so sorry. You're holding up a sign that said you wanted to say a brief something about Paul Newman passing. <laughs> I'm sad every day that we lost that great actor. Glad we still have his salad dressing to remember him by because he had a friend in me. And you wanted to audition for a Wayne Knight's role of Newman? <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Why is... Do you, uh, are you... Why? Sorry, sorry, Randy, real quick. Are you jealous? Yeah. Are you jealous that John Goodman's named John Goodman and you're only new man? <laughs> Being good's good, but I like being new. And, Randy, and I'm gonna tell this to you that you got a friend in me. And Randy, what words do you want to hear from God when you enter heaven? <laughs> that he forgives me for that stuff that I did. And also, Keep he's got a friend in me. <laughs> this is inside the Newman studio. We want to thank our guest, Randy Newman. Okay, so... This... You know, that was real fun, being on the podcast, but every time feels like the last, but then you got a friend in me. Okay, well, this first letter... Thank you, Randy. This first letter... You're welcome, Dan. Well, I kind of feel insulted that I'm not Randy with a friend. Like, it seems like every other person... Hey, got a he's got a friend in him, but I'm sorry, Dan. I thought that went without saying, but I guess our friendship needs to be reinforced by words. Cause you got a friend in Thank me. Thank you, Randy. That's all I needed. In to a hear. way, it cheapens our friendship. That I gotta keep telling you that we're friends, and you don't just feel it inside. Cause you got a friend in me. And how do you feel about LA? You hate it, or you? I'm ambivalent about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bump, set, Things pop the ball. I mean, you know, people's opinions change over the years. Okay, uh, so this first letter is... I mean, Randy Newman, no offense, Randy, he is an old man yeah. by this point. He is no longer a new man, mm -hmm. so he changes, you know. Yeah, this first letter is from Bren, last name withheld. I was recently listening to an episode <laughs> where you're talking about movie universes you'd like to live in. Uh -huh. I believe Dan's was The Shire, pre-Lord of the Rings drama. So my question is, if you had to pick a movie universe that would be your personal nightmare to live in, what would it be and why? Stay floppy, Bren, last name withheld. Hmm. I want to say, this is this is kind of general. This is not a specific movie universe, but any of those futuristic movie universes where you eat your meals in pill form, uh -huh. I would not like to be in. Because I'm always watching that like, yeah, okay, science has decided... To take one of the great pleasures of life, which is eating, uh -huh. and eliminate it, yeah, <laughs> does not make sense to me. Like science, work on something, and you're also better. like, you're also like, think about all the people who work in the cutlery industry that are now out of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, very good point. Very good point. A foundation of the economy. Uh, so that be your nightmare, Dan? Yeah, I mean, as a person who enjoys to cook and enjoys to eat very much, yeah, like I would not want to live in that that universe. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, I think probably for me, obviously it goes without saying any universe where the Earth has been overrun by monsters or serial killers. Mm. That would be a real nightmare. Yeah, like a, like a purge, like getting caught in a purge. I don't want. I do not want to be in a purge, and I don't want a purge. But I'll probably also like the Judd Apatow universe. Sure. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, interesting fun fact in researching movie universes for this question, I found out that on Wikipedia, Reboot is considered to be in the same universe as the Money for Nothing video, which I had never thought about. And I'm wondering where's that crossover, huh? Yeah, you want to amend your answer for what uh, universe you want to live in, right? Yeah, exactly. I want to live in that blocky computer animated Money for Nothing video where you got two great choices. You can either play the guitar and get chicks for free, or you can install microwave oven. Yeah, I mean, cool I jobs. feel like the exact lyrics of that song might uh, be best not, you know, carefully examined. But uh, no, no, there's there's certainly uh, one line in that song that, even though it's in the voice of a character, is still something I would not say. It's it's but, more hey, harsh look, than you would like. Yes, exactly. But. That's just a blue-collar working man watching MTV, you know? Even though, as said in the beginning, he wants his MTV. But is that a different character? In the video, it's one of those guys. But in the song, maybe it's a different character? I don't know. Dan, what do you think? I don't know. Da- I think Dan yeah, was checking his texting. phone. Adel, is there a yeah. movie well, universe? Why, why do you feel the need to... Play, like, <laughs> you, who are so interested in maintaining <laughs> the professionalism of the podcast, did not need to call me out at the one time I was... <laughs> Dan, has it ever occurred to you that I am more likely to call you out when I see you going to your phone? But, Adel, yeah, do you have a movie universe you would not want to live in? I got to say, based on my personal preferences, the Back to the Two, uh, Back to the Future 2 universe. They should have called it Back to the Two Back to the Two universe. (laughs) (laughs) Mama Thria is what they should call the the, the third (laughs) Mama Mia. Mama Thria. They should make it just for that. Um, Yeah. Specifically, just because in Back to the Future 2, Uh they. Uh, wear two ties instead of one tie everyone wears two ties uh-huh. I hate wearing ties mm-hmm. so I feel like just based on that alone if I get to a funeral or a wedding I would not want to wear two ties I feel like that would be so, highly uncomfortable so not the fact that they're living in the Biffverse where no, a kind where, where a kind of asshole millionaire has taken over America since we do live in that universe mm-hmm. now it's just the two ties thing that bothers just you. the two tie things and being fired okay. over facts is pretty brutal that's pretty brutal. And also that, that dehydrated pizza probably can't be very good, right? No, not at all. I don't know. Isn't it like Pizza Hut brand? Right? You're right. So it's great. So it's amazing. <laughs> Pizza's so good, you can only serve it out of a hut. <laughs> hey, they're like, should we call our new restaurant Pizza Palace? Uh, let's not promise too much. Pizza it's Shack? A hut. <laughs> Pizza Shack? It, people are going to think they're going to buy radios that's there. Fair, that's Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, okay, great. Uh, yeah, I would probably say... Uh, I'd probably say some kind of like dystopia, right? Like uh, the Alexander Payne movie universe. Sideways. <laughs> <laughs> like Sideways or About Schmidt. Uh, yeah, although, sure, I mean, I guess oh I'd like to I guess I'd like to spend the rest of my years with June Squibb. She's really great. <laughs> so, so, man, so you- I guess, I don't know. I mean, I guess sometimes, you know, the perfect kind of hell is one that has, uh, you know, like perfect cage has beautiful bars. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so this uh, second and final letters from Zach, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Zach Braff, sure. Star of Alex. Who says? MD? What was the name it's of that Alex show? In- Alex Incorporated. Inc. Alex MD would be a doctor and not a podcaster. Although yeah. theoretically, it could be a health podcast. Uh, hey, floppers! I've been jumping around to random episodes in your back catalog. I gave episode two seventy, interview with a vampire, a listen yesterday. In that one, Elliot asks for advice about what to tell his kids about Santa. Elliot, you should definitely do what my mom did for me. The last winter before I started elementary school and was therefore about to be around kids who believed in Santa, my mom wanted me to be prepared, but to not ruin it for others. First, she explained what other kids believed about Santa. Coming to almost every house, going down chimneys with gifts, etc., She then explained the origins of Santa Claus, how he was based on a real person, St. Nicholas, 
but that he lived and died a long time ago, and so is not coming down people's chimneys bringing them gifts. And you're saying gifts, not gifts, the animated. (laughs) Gifts. Okay, animated image, okay. It was instead parents who got all the gifts for their children. It was a very sensitive, well-thought-out explanation that answered all of my questions and set me up to be a well-functioning member of a society that likes lying to other kids. Mm -hmm. The next time we went to a grocery store, the clerk, checking us out, asked us, So what is Santa getting you for Christmas? Without missing a beat and remembering my training, I answered, Oh, nothing. My mom told me Santa was dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Now that I've given you some invaluable advice, I was hoping you could return the favor. I'm scheduled to be getting a vasectomy soon. Mm -hmm. After the surgery, I'll be sitting on the couch for a couple of days watching movies. I want some titles that fit the theme, so I've got Castle Freak and Antichrist queued up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's also a Lorena Bobbitt miniseries. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of days to fill up, though. Help me, floppers. You're my only hope. Yours in floppitude, Zach. Last name withheld. Now I think... Right off the top of my dome, I'm going to say there's that great scene in RoboCop where he shoots the bad guy in the dick. <laughs> there's also Hot <laughs> yeah, Dog. Perfect. There's Hot Dog the movie. Ooh, yeah. can, can Cinema Boy get in here? Cinema Boy, yeah, I gotta please. I say, uh, if you're getting a, a vasectomy, first movie you should watch, Damon Wayne's Blank Man. Okay, I was going to say Street <laughs> Trash. There's a scene in Street Trash where they play Keep Away with a severed penis. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not forget that both in Piranha 3D, there is a close-up of a severed penis that has just been bitten off of uh, Jeremy O'Connell. And that in... <laughs> Jer- Jer- Jeremy O'Connell's brother. Sorry, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, Jeremy O'Connell is uh, dead, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. And that in... Uh, and that in Snakes on a Plane, a snake does bite a man's dick, and it leads to the immortal line, ah, get off my dick. Mm-hmm. Doesn't the piranha like, also kind of like barf up the penis? Oh, no. Yeah, he bites it off, and then he spits it. He like throws it up in front of the camera. Yeah. Because that's, and why that movie was nominated for Best Picture, I don't know. Yeah. The movie that famously we went to see on the day of your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was a great day. Um, I want to say two things off this letter. One, uh, the letter writer will be happy to know that we have talked to my son about Santa Claus. We did something similar. We were like, hey, this is the truth, but other kids like it, so don't say things about it. One time we were walking to school, he saw – it was like a deflated Santa that had, uh, in front of someone's lawn, and he was like, oh, I guess Santa died. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, that's just a deflated thing. And he goes, dad, why do they believe in Santa since he's not real, like God? And I was like, okay, this is a bigger conversation. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um and the other thing I want to say is uh, his vasectomy story reminds me of when I had a uh, kidney stone and I was just sitting at home watching movies because I was in such pain. And I watched From Beyond and I was like, this movie really gets how I'm feeling right now because mm-hmm. it was like goopy and people's bodies were getting mm-hmm. destroyed. I was like, oh, finally, someone's telling my story. Yeah, kind of like a farewell to the flesh type moment. Exactly. Oh, I wish I could have said farewell to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Probably watch so, Romancing the Stone as well. Oh, yeah, I watch all Stone movies. Uh, Romancing the Stone, Give me movies shelter. with Sharon Stone. The Family and, Stone. Yeah, the Rolling Stones, yeah. Yeah, The Family Stone, yeah. All that stuff, yeah. Uh, so this is a point in the uh, podcast where we recommend movies, movies that uh, we actually enjoyed, mm-hmm. movies you should see probably instead of The Fanatic. I'm going to say, I'm just going to go out, I'm, this is a guess, I don't know what you guys are all going to recommend, but I'm going to say definitely instead of The Fanatic. Yeah. All right, um... I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, there's a movie I watched recently. Uh, I think it was on Shudder that I saw it. It's called Strange Behavior, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Dead Kids is the other okay. uh, name for that movie. And uh, it was directed by Michael Laughlin, and it was written by 
uh, Bill Condon and Michael Laughlin. Bill Condon, you might know, went on to do uh, Gods and Monsters, Chicago, other stuff. Um, and it's a an Aussie horror film. Uh, you know, I like my Ausploitation. Mm-hmm. And I do it's know a, that. It's a kind of a mashup of the serial killer or slasher, rather, and um, and uh, mad scientist genres, where there are scientists in the small town uh, performing mysterious experiments uh, that uh, are doing uh, lead to killings. Let's say I don't want to spoil too much of the film, but uh, you know, it's. I don't want to oversell it, but if you have like a fondness for, um, you know, B movies from the '80s that are made with a little more craft than they needed to be made with, and there's, uh, then this is for you. There's some very creative uh, filming and staging of some of the suspense sequences. So, Strange Behavior is my recommendation. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, uh, I, <clears throat> I just uh, did some traveling. You know. Uh, Went down to Florida to visit my folks, and I watched some movies on my trip. I have a tendency to watch movies uh, on planes that have an accidentally large amount of nudity. Uh, that's always fun. I like getting... Classic bit. I, I like it when random guys slap me in the arm and give me a thumbs up while I'm trying to hunch <laughs> over my laptop to prevent anyone from seeing... Uh, As you're watching Irreversible. <laughs> yeah, to keep people from seeing all my shame, uh, like the movie shame. Um uh, but this time I made a point not to watch it on a plane. I watched the movie I Am Love, uh, directed by Luca Guadagino, uh, who is probably one of my favorite uh, directors working right now. Um, this is one of his earlier films uh, starring Tilda Swinton. And it's about a young woman, well, a, a mother, a mother of three, who uh, has a Russian woman who's married into an Italian uh, a wealthy Italian family, and the family is both dealing with business changes and also uh, some turbulent personal things. And like a lot of his movies, it's basically like a lush feast of a movie. Um, it's beautiful. It's very physical. Uh, it's got a, uh, let's say, very present score um, and some really great performances from Tilda Swinton and the rest of the cast. I found it beautiful and moving. Uh, I'd like to Cinema Boy would like to recommend. I'm sure this might have been recommended before. I didn't get a chance to look through your whole back catalog, but um, I'm going to Japan in a few weeks, and I'm going to go to the Ghibli Museum. Mm-hmm. Ghibli, Ghibli, mm-hmm. and I watched Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And oh, don't watch this if you're having a bad day. But if you're <laughs> if you're bulletproof, but if you're having a good yeah. day, that's the time that's to the watch way to ruin it. it. Um, it is beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's um, so so sad, but it's a uh, it's uh, set during World War II in Japan. It's about a um, young boy and his kid sister who kind of lose everything and have to fend for themselves and the trials and tribulations they go through. <laughs> the voice acting is incredible, uh, subs over dubs always, um, and it's just beautifully done. And it's a very it's a very incredible, uh, touching, incredible story. Have you watched any? Uh, I I remember when I I bought like the DVD years ago, and there were some supplementary materials where they were like talking to the director and the the author of the story. And his takeaway was so much different than my takeaway. He was like shocked that people felt sympathy for the characters when he's like, clearly what they're doing was wrong. And I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, what good movie. Uh, 
the uh, that's a great segue for my movie, which is also a difficult to watch film about World War II. But this time in the European theater, I recently saw the movie Come and See, uh, which is a Russian or you could say Belarusian movie from 1985 about a young man who is, lives in a village in Belarus and decides against his mother's wishes to join the Soviet partisans or I guess I guess they're Soviet, the partisans fighting the Nazis and finds that the war is so much more horrifying than he thought it would be and it is it's a really like amazingly powerful but also like difficult to watch movie but it goes to a place at the end that I found like to, I, like I, there are certain points where I'm like, yeah, war is terrible. Like I understand it's really hitting you hard, but the way they do certain things and the way where the movie goes to at the end is very surprising and strange and something that I did not expect or see coming, but which really moved me in the end. I was very I mentioned moved earlier about iPodius. I was also moved watching this, but it's a movie to watch like with a knowing that you're going to watch something uh, that's going to make you uncomfortable and it, not happy. So yeah, uh, just but, pop up a big bucket of popcorn, <laughs> some yeah. some B twelve. Get the family together. It's a great first date movie, um, and just be ready for uh, incredibly powerful uh, terror. That's come and see. Okay, so uh, that's our show, guys. Uh, thank you to our guests for being here. Do you want to thank our guests? Stuart? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Adel. Uh, Use my real name. Cinema uh, Boy. Cinema Boy. I'm so sorry. Cinema, Cinema Boy. Boy. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and remind us again, where can we find you outside of this podcast, Cinema Boy? Yeah, you can find me on the podcast. Uh, how's it going for the Magic Tavern? And <laughs> how's it going from the Magic Tavern? <laughs> and uh, Hey Riddle Riddle, which is a new podcast I do. Um, Google, and- uh, if I think if you just Google funniest podcast, right? Famously, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Rachel Bloom found us. Um, but yeah, check those out. Hey, uh, hey, Riddle Riddle, and hello from the Magic Tavern. And you can find me on Twitter at Adorify. Spelled how it sounds. Um, great. Where uh, our show is on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, home to many great podcasts. Um, go out and ch- check it out. Comedy and culture, yada yada. Yep, yada yada. <laughs> uh, tweet about us. Uh, greet about us. Fleet about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us give us good reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. And Randy, uh, Randy, this- where can we find you? Do you have anything to plug? Well, I'm also in some places <laughs> like Pixar movies. Or maybe you just see me down at a diner, probably ordering a side of fries. That's enough for me. I don't need a Phil's meal. I had a big breakfast. <laughs> but you know, guys, it's interesting to say. Sometimes when you're singing, the words get in your way. And you just gotta go like this. Careful. Careful, Randy. Careful. You got a friend in me. Yeah, stuck the landing. All right. (laughs) Well, I'll say this uh, this, uh, episode was uh, created with the help of Jordan Cowling from uh, Maximum Fun. Mm -hmm. And um, Dan, is there anything else we have to, we'd like to say? Any flop house housekeeping? Nope, that's it. Okay. Sent. Uh, send us a letter if you want, and uh, maybe Randy Newman will sing about it sometime. <laughs> well, don't make promises. I'm a busy guy. I just happened to stop by uh, today. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, I rhymed in the middle instead of at the end. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Randy. Uh-huh. Guys, I just realized in that drawing at the end when John Travolta has the eye patch in the hook and he grows wings, uh-huh. he turns into the angel Michael. Oh, and so it's a prequel to Michael. Mm, that oh, makes wow. a lot of Part sense. Of it sounds like a real <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs>
Broken Arrow. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. Bye. And we'll be staying alive. Bye. And Oscar Isaac is Duke Leto Atreides. Uh-huh. Zendaya is Chani. Mm-hmm. And Michi. But it doesn't say who's <laughs> yeah. going to play Faye Booth, though. Definitely, yeah, definitely Michi still. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.